Hello and welcome to the April 2017 edition of Capital Yarns, the podcast. My name's Sean Costello, I'm a short story writer, and each month on this podcast, with the help of family and friends, we bring to life short stories written by me but inspired by you, listeners and readers of Capital Yarns, the website, the book, the short stories, the zines, people who have been inspired by what they found around Canberra and uh, challenged me to write a short story set in Australia's national capital featuring three items. This, uh, this is quite a controversial tale in my household. It was inspired by three very interesting items to bring together. Bit of a challenge, a washing machine, a paddle pop and a colouring in book. And what emerged was an Easter themed story, but as I said, controversial in the Costello household. Really was a big divide, a couple of uh, factions formed about whether this was a suitable story for Easter. But in the end, it's a story for kids, and the kids' votes were the prevailing ones. So even though the adults in the house weren't convinced, including perhaps, dare I say, this author, uh, the kids convinced me that um, others would enjoy this story. So adults, maybe tune out. might be a great one to listen to on the trip to the coast, which it's sort of inspired by uh, many people this time of year, Canberrans, take that last hurrah, that last chance of some warm water and, and sunshine to head down to the south coast uh, usually Bateman's Bay, which features in this story. And the music you'll hear is so fitting as well. It comes from Susie Hickey. You may recall from the previous podcast story, which featured No Lights, No Lycra, of Falling Joy's fame, a local Canberra band of some repute. Um, she sent me this song, which was inspired uh, with a trip with her nieces travelling to the south coast and it just seemed to fit this story so well uh, the menagerie of animals that it features also features in the story so i hope you enjoy the music hope you enjoy the story uh, adults maybe tune out now kids listen even more closely it's called the easter marathon and in the house you can see two new fish called rock and rolling One Easter Sunday morning, not so long ago, while children all over the world were scouring their houses and gardens for chocolatey goodness, Walter Burley Bilby lay awake in his bed. Walter couldn't sleep partly because he was so tired from delivering eggs to children throughout the night, but also because his head was buzzing with excitement. He cleaned his teeth, an important job at this time of year, before racing into town. He arrived just in time to find a kookaburra was addressing a large crowd of animals. This was King O'Malley's kookaburra, the president of the FED, the Federation of Egg Deliverers. Before Walter could tune in to what he was saying, a shudder of pain went through his ribcage. No pushing in, Bilby. A hare next to him had jabbed him with his elbow. Harry McCracken was the biggest and fiercest of all the English hares. For some reason, he had never liked Walter. We are delighted to be holding the annual Easter Marathon here again in the national capital of Australia. As you know, even though these games are renowned through the animal kingdom... Our annual marathon remains a mystery to humans. Today, the most athletic and talented hares, rabbits and bilbies have gathered from around the world to celebrate another successful season of egg deliveries. 
Indeed, I bet the humans don't even know that our competitors are known affectionately as floppies for their delightfully droopy ears. Roars of laughter rippled through the packed hillside around Capitol Hill. Even Walter couldn't hide a smirk, despite his nervous state. In a moment, I'll invite our three competitors, Harry Hare, Petrie Rabbit and the local boy, Walter Bilby, to take their places at the starting line. Applause echoed from the animal audience, each animal showing their support in their traditional way. The kangaroos leapt in the air, kookaburras laughed, wombats wobbled their bottoms, magpies swooped and the koalas each gently opened one eye in a slow wink before going back to sleep. As you know, dear animals, the marathon requires our competitors to use all their creativity, speed and cunning to complete. Modelled on the strange migration habits of our human friends this time of year, they must make their way from here to the New South Wales coastal town of Batemans Bay. But they must reach the bay by lunchtime, so travelling solely on poor is out of the question. Once there, they must consume three pieces of fried fish and a small serve of chips for lunch. The competitor finished their fish first, has their choice of vehicles. Our three competitors then return to Canberra, and the first to arrive is declared the winner. Of course, for us floppies, this time of year is about giving. And while this may sound like a simple competition, our marathon has a way of ensuring that only the kindest, gentlest, most generous of competitors can succeed. But without further ado, I invite our competitors to make their way to the starting line. The three walked nervously to the line. When they arrived, Harry turned to Petri and Walter and pulled out a single digit on his paw. He pointed it towards Petri. Hey, Petri, pull my finger. Petri looked down at the finger and sighed. Reluctantly, he reached out and pulled his finger. (coughs) Harry blew a wave of warm, foul-smelling air towards Walter. Better out than in. King Kookaburra was now holding two chocolate eggs above his head. On your marks, get set. Go! As he uttered these words, he smashed the eggs together above his head, causing chocolate chips to rain down over the nearest animals. As the cracking sound rang out, the thousands of animals present cheered again. Walter began jogging along the road, trying to think how best he would find his way to the coast. He knew he didn't have to rush. Lunchtime was still five hours away, and it would only take two hours to reach the coast by car. He just had to figure out which car to take. It quickly became clear that Walter and Harry were the quickest of the three, although Petri was just behind them. Harry, however, seemed to spend more energy and was soon puffing and wheezing. His eyes darted around the road, searching for a lift. A few metres up the road, the traffic lights went red and the three competitors saw their chance. All three sped up, hoping to reach the ute that had stopped. Harry arrived first, and as he sprung up into the cab tray on the back, he turned to confront Walter. This is my ride, Bilby. Harry pushed Walter back as he tried to leap into the tray. Walter hit the ground with a thud. Just as he stood up again, he saw the light turn green. He tried once more to scramble into the cab, but as he did so, another animal bundled into him from behind, pushing them both high into the air. Walter realised too late that Petri too had been aiming to leap onto the ute and had instead run into Walter. 
As he cartwheeled through the air, Walter closed his eyes and braced himself for the inevitable crash into the ground. But instead, he felt his body landing on something soft and squishy. A moment later, Petri landed next to him. Walter hesitantly opened his eyes and discovered they had landed on top of a car, which fortuitously had a mattress strapped to its roof racks. The car took them to the foot of the Clyde Mountain, beyond which sat Bateman's Bay. They had long since lost track of Harry's ute. However, just when it seemed the car would take them all the way, it turned into a petrol station and the two floppies jumped down before they were seen. They glanced at each other nervously, then hopped once more down the road. It wasn't long before they came across Harry once again. He had hopped up to a parked car next to which sat a human child, who appeared to be in some distress. Petri continued approaching, apparently to get a better look. Eating too much chocolate, I bet. Walter nodded. A car trip was probably the last thing he needed. He felt better if he burps. Harry held out something in his hand, gesturing for the child to take it. It took Walter a moment to realise it was a chocolate paddle pop. That's the last thing he needs, thought Walter. The child was staring at the ground and didn't seem interested in the ice cream at all. But Harry had other tricks up his sleeve. He started whispering to the child and Walter had to strain to hear him. You know, mate, you humans have a saying that is true. Better out than in. Pull my finger and I'll show you what I mean. The child, still hunched over and looking green, glanced suspiciously at the hare. If he was surprised to be speaking to an animal, he wasn't showing it. Harry pointed his finger towards the child and Walter's heart sank. Pull my finger. The child, still looking unsure and very much sick, tentatively reached over and pulled Harry's finger. An enormous orchestra of sound suddenly emitted from Harry's body. In perfect unison, if not harmony, a roaring burp came from his mouth, while simultaneously a massive fart came from his buttocks that echoed around. A large male human emerged from the car. Shoo! Get away from here, you disgusting animal! The large male human yelled at Harry. And you too! He shouted at Petri. Taken by surprise and looking very much scared, the two floppies hopped into the bush. The human adult looked back at the child. Okay, mate, I'm just going to get your colouring in book from the car in case this cheers you up. The male human disappeared from view. Walter realised this was his chance. The cacophony of Harry's emissions still ringing in his ears, he approached the human child. What's your name, mate? The human child looked up at him, shock on his face. Did you say something funny? I did say something, and I'm a Bilby. What's your name? Bobby. The child was staring once again at the ground. Hi, Bobby. I'm Walter. Does your tummy hurt? Bobby nodded. Too much chocolate, perhaps. Bobby grimaced at the sound of the word. Can I try and help? I might be partly to blame. Bobby looked up and made eye contact. Yes, please. Walter smiled in reply and began gently rubbing Bobby's tummy. How does that feel? Bobby grimaced. Better, I think. Walter rubbed a bit quicker and noticed Bobby begin to squirm. You know, that head was right. Better out than in, Bobby. You sure? 
Walter nodded enthusiastically. He felt Bobby squirm even more, and then his stomach lurched. A large burp came from his uh. mouth, and Bobby, suddenly happier, smiled at Walter. The car door opened again, and the adult human climbed into the car. Walter hid under Bobby's legs. Okay, Bobby, time to go. Walter winked at Bobby and nuzzled into the crevice below his feet out of view. Used to be my smoking up, but they packed their bags and went to Canberra. Half an hour later, as the car slowed entering Bateman's Bay, Walter leapt out of the window, waving goodbye to Bobby as he did so. Stay clear of chocolate for a while. Walter rushed into the fish and chip shop and found he was right behind Harry. He sat down at his allocated table, took a deep breath and slowly started to eat the meal. It was delicious and as he put the first chip in his mouth, he realised how hungry he was. Harry was already halfway through his food. He stuffed large wads of fish and chips into his mouth not so much chewing as inhaling, before rapidly following with another pawful. In no time at all, he had finished, and with a quick scowl at Walter on his way through, was out of the fish shop and back outside. Walter saw through the window that there were three modes of transport available. A red sports car, a larger family sedan, and a small electric scooter. Harry turned and smiled at him as he indicated that he was choosing the sports car. Walter looked down at his meal, certain now that any hope of victory was gone. Still, he had given it his best, and there was no shame in coming second. He just wished he'd lost to someone a little nicer than Harry Hare. The most important thing was he didn't give up now. He finished his delicious fish and chips, gave quiet thanks for such a meal for free, and went outside, Harry concealed himself under one of the Ferrari's seats, just as the human driver emerged from the fish shop. Good luck winning the race in that washing machine. Harry snarled, pointing to the family sedan. The human slammed the car door and took off at such speed that Walter found his fur pushed back by the resulting wind. A moment later, a family exited the fish and chip shop and hopped into the sedan. Walter snuck into the boot, when they opened it to deposit some shopping. Just before the boot was slammed shut, he saw Petrie arrive at the store. Walter sat quietly in the boot on the journey back, trying to convince himself that there was some honour in coming second and being a good bilby along the way. Before he knew it, they turned into King Edward Terrace in Canberra. When the car slowed down enough, Walter hopped out and began climbing Capitol Hill, the location of the finishing line. He was surprised to see Harry was only just in front of him. Harry was moving very slowly, and for a minute Walter's heart leapt in excitement at the thought that he might catch him. But Harry turned and, realising how close Walter was, quickly accelerated to cross the finishing line. Most of the crowd were jammed in around the line, and huge hoots of applause and streamers were thrown into the air as the competitors arrived. As he crossed the line just behind Harry, Walter was crushed by a surge of bilbies, all eager to pat him on the back and congratulate him. He found his chest was still tender from Harry's earlier blow and was grateful when King Kookaburra pushed his way through to provide Walter an exit route through the crowd. 
Wow, coming second is pretty good. The king smiled grimly. I wouldn't speak too soon. He motioned towards Harry. Harry was bent over, his head bowed low, and a green expression on his face. He looked similar to the way Bobby the human had looked before Walter had soothed him, although many times worse. Remember, this event is about generosity of spirit. There is no greater breach of the marathon rules than to overeat, to take too much, too quickly without giving in return. Walter remembered how quickly Harry had eaten his fish. No wonder he had climbed up Capitol Hill so slowly. The king grabbed a microphone and spoke to the crowd. Oh, gentle animal folk, we are just pausing the official announcement of the winner as the event has not yet concluded. Harry has finished first and will be declared the winner of the event unless he commits the most serious of fed breaches to be sick. We in the judging panel call this a fed expulsion or FedEx. Harry looked up at the king with a look of utter contempt. He took a deep breath and tried to stand up straight. He held his hand up trying to signal victory by holding his fist in the air. Anticipating his triumph, a great swarm of hares moved forward to congratulate him. But, as in the way with many hares, they moved too quickly. As the crowd moved in, the air around Harry became hotter and heavier and any sense of space he had before was lost. No! He was motioning for the others to give him some space, but in doing so, he slightly relaxed his paw, allowing one finger to protrude. A nearby hare, familiar with Harry's trick, thought he was celebrating in his own unique way and obliged by pulling his finger. Harry's stomach finally found the chance it had been looking for. Years of pulling the finger meant his body had an involuntary reaction to the merest tug. This was the final signal to his stomach that it should release its contents. A tremendous amount of partially digested fish and the crispy remains of the South Coast's finest chips emerged in a stream of vomit from Harry's mouth. He had turned to address his supporters in his last attempt to push them away and so as he moved his head, the stream enveloped a wide group of the nearest hairs to him. It felt like the spew lasted for a good minute, and when the awful river finally ended, 30 hairs, plus Harry himself, was covered in warm and sticky vomit. A ripple of disgusted sounds went up from the rest of the crowd. Some of them quietly vomited too but some of the bilbies also began to cheer as they realised the consequences. Petri arrived on his scooter and looked at the strange scene before him. What's going on? The judges briefly conferred before the king spoke. Gentle animal folk, we can now declare the winner of the Great Easter Floppy Marathon. Competitor Harry Hare is disqualified, so I declare this year's winner is Walter Bilby! King Kookaburra held Walter's paw in the air as he cackled a great fit of laughter in support. And that is how a little generous bilby from the banks of the Molongolo River was crowned the Easter floppy champion of Canberra.
I hope you enjoyed that one. Perhaps adult and child alike, but uh, I won't hold it against it. Some of the adults found that not quite to their taste, particularly after a busy Easter weekend. Just a reminder, you can always grab the uh, Capital Yarns book at a range of retails around Canberra City or via my website, capitalyarns.com.au. And thanks again to Susie Higgy for that fantastic music, which I just think fitted the story so well. I'll be back in May with another short story inspired by three items nominated by you. But just a uh, health and safety warning before I go. Um, Lake Burley Griffin has given a lot to Capital Yarns over the years. But as they say, what the lake gives, the lake also takes. And uh, if you hear a carp ringing, vibrating, perhaps see it glowing a little bit over the next few weeks, uh, I can provide some explanation. Uh, It might be due to the iPhone that unfortunately ended up at the bottom of Lake Burley Griffin earlier today uh, due to a series of unfortunate events uh, in the Costello household. Uh, So please look out if you can for that car. Perhaps you could give me a buzz if if you're lucky enough to catch a car uh, which gobbled up our iPhone. But uh, in the meantime, I suspect it will continue to ring at the bottom of Lake Burley Griffin. Perhaps... Uh, inspiring a whole new series of myths about what might lurk at the bottom of Lake Burley Griffin. But that's probably a story for another time. Until then, bye for now.